0: All right, let's talk some overlook stocks, movers that you missed in today's session. George Tillis joins us for three movers. George, nobody could ever fall asleep during your analysis. However, we're going to be running some B-roll here that could be tempting because you're talking Casper today, and the stock had a pretty big session. Why now? What's happening? Didn't everybody already buy their beds when they bought their homes?
1: Yeah, you would think so, OJ. I was just going to ask you if uh, if this was one of the Wall Street bet stocks because of the stock was up, what, about 26 or 27% today. Mm. Not really uh, very meaningful news. I mean, the stock did get an upgrade from CFRA uh, as well as WebBush, which, again, uh, is a primary catalyst for today's move. But uh, it was pretty exceptional for the company, which uh, primarily – uh sells uh, beds, mattresses, bedding, pillows. Uh, it has uh, three channels. It does direct-to-consumer e-commerce. It also has about 50 or so retail outlets. It's not too big, but uh, most of its sales really come from e-commerce as well as third-party sales uh, distributors like Costco and Sam's Club. But uh, we know mattresses have been a, a hot item. You see the commercials all the time. Companies like Purple are competitors to, uh, to Casper. Uh, overall, the company is still not profitable, but I think today's move uh, is reflective not only of the upgrade uh, with the price consensus target now of about 10 dollars 5 on the stock, and it was trading uh, around the $7 and $8 range. It's a small cap company. Uh, if you look at the market cap, it's only about $360 million. It's easy to be pushed around, but their sales are actually pretty meaningful on a relative basis to about $500 million. Compared to 362 million dollars in market cap, so it's already trading less than one time sales uh, on 18% top line sales growth, but it's still not profitable. But I think because of the size of the company and any positive news catalyst pushed the stock uh, quite a bit to the upside today.
0: Okay, so uh, George, uh, this is one's kind of uh, uh, fallen a little bit from the public eye since its debut, but uh, this one's certainly going to get people's attention. It's just been a total chop back and forth since a really rough start yeah. to the company, uh, which slipped from uh, 16 bucks all the way down to 3 This is the first major rally in a while.
1: Yeah, it is, definitely. I think the company has get, gotten a lot of traction uh, from its uh, third-party sellers like Costco in the last mm-hmm. year. But here's the thing. To establish those relationships costs money. And, and I think that's one of the challenges with Casper or, or any of these New uh, DTC or direct-to-consumer-based models and businesses, which are, again, startup companies, needed startup capital. Once they went uh, public, they used, of course, a lot of that capital to do things like uh, you know, for capital expenditures, relationship building, uh, CapEx and so forth. But also, again, uh, some insider selling that's been going on. But overall… You know, if you look at the, uh, the the free cash flow for the company, it did eke out a free cash flow positive number last quarter. It's just still not profitable. So, it's one of these companies that was already at the margin. And what I mean by that is, is that free cash flow typically leads even on margin growth. And I think that's what we're seeing here is the company now is generating more sales with some pretty uh, decent, uh, you know, uh, high teens top line sales growth based on last quarter's numbers. Uh, once it becomes closer to profitability, you do see a magnified effect in the stock price. So keep an eye on this one. I'm not saying it's going to the moon, but uh, it's one that the that, that demonstrates financial conditions that are turning.
0: Okay. Hey, George, uh, while we got you here, just uh, if we check in on Tesla real quick, uh, guys, uh, trading at about 727 bucks. It's uh, found a small move to the downside. George, I know you follow the stock very closely one of the things that's uh, come out of the numbers I think that's also worth to mention is the fact that they did sell some of their Bitcoin. They sold like 20% of the Bitcoin, and that did add on uh, some, some cash to the company's uh, bottom line. George, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting where, you know, I don't know what analysts had expected them to do with that uh, and what role, you know, Bitcoin was going to play, but it looks to me like a, a couple hundred million dollar profit uh, as they sold this. I mean, does that factor in when we are looking at Tesla earnings where we should go, okay, we have to remember that some of this came from actually trading Bitcoin, basically. I mean, they bought it, it rallied, and then they sold 20% of it.
1: Well, that surprised me just a little bit. I mean, wasn't Bitcoin supposed to be better than cash, OJ? I mean, look- So much for a hodl. Institutional, uh, corp- yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, you look at institutions are buying it. Pension funds are starting to allocate capital towards Bitcoin, a small percentage. We know that, uh, you know, uh, corporate reserves, companies like MicroStrategy and Tesla being uh, another name square, of course, another name in that, in that space. Uh, but I didn't know they're trading these things. So I, I think overall, there are going to be some questions about, you know, what are they doing with their Bitcoin position? Why do they dispose of this position? Obviously, they found an opportunity to make profits from it, you know, but these are one-time profits. Are they consistent in, in uh profits? Not necessarily. And, and again, I think this is going to be an interesting one at the open tomorrow because of this one factor. Now, uh, what I'm looking for is sales. This this certainly could, of course, uh, help their uh, bottom line beat, which they did beat based on what I saw. But they did beat on the top line sales number. And this is not going to account for top line sales. This is going to be something else uh, when it comes to the bottom line uh, profitability of the company. But again, Hmm. I think there are going to be some questions by analysts of what they're doing and why they did this. Uh, Overall, It is a good strategy. I mean, their objective is to make money for shareholders. But again, if it starts to question their ability to make earnings on an organic basis, you know, there may be a little bit of
0: weakness in the morning. It's just kind of uh, an odd topic where he buys the Bitcoin. Yes. And then on the announcement, Bitcoin starts rallying. I mean, that was uh, a huge moment uh, in Bitcoin's chart where Elon announced. First, it was rumored. Then he announced. And then it kept running. And then he sells 20% of it after that run. It's just a little awkward uh, because if he's holding on to it and he has some belief, I mean, you know, that's obviously within his right. It's within his right to sell it too, but it makes for a little bit of an odd conversation if he's trading the company's balance sheet, which he basically did, right? He traded Tesla's balance sheet on a Bitcoin trade.
1: Well, I do agree with you. I think it's awkward. It's odd. You know, there, there are going to be some questions about, you know, what are they what is he doing when he you know, publicly says we're buying Bitcoin? He seems to be very bullish on Bitcoin. Dogecoin was another thing. That uh, as soon as Elon Musk tweet, tweeted, it, it became a phenomenon. And uh, again, uh, it, price action is going to the upside. So, again, I, I agree with you. It's awkward. It's odd. Uh, there are going to be some questions now about other companies that are going to be doing the same thing. And, and again, we saw a nice recovery in Bitcoin today. But I, I suggest, and maybe you agree with me or not, OJ, we're not out of the woods on Bitcoin just yet. And, and I think if we don't break back above the 57000 level, uh, then we're probably going to see the, the, the mid to low 40000 level on Bitcoin. And I think this could be a catalyst for that. I'm not sure. But if we start to see other companies do the same thing, on their announcements of uh, earnings, that could that could throw a wrench into Bitcoin's move to the upside.
0: Okay, all right, uh, all right, George. Let's go back um, to our regularly scheduled programming here. Just wanted to make sure we uh, uh, keep watching this as some of the new information comes out here. Uh, one of the other stocks, George, that um, uh, you've been talking about with us for some time on uh, this segment. If we go back to our overlook stocks today, uh, AnaPlan up three point six percent. The company uh, did get hit over the last. Uh, year-to-date period, basically, after a big jump and then a sell-off, but it looks to be gaining some momentum again. What's the latest here?
1: Yeah, so I noticed, uh, OJ, after the sell-off that started around mid-February, there are some reversals occurring, and, 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 and Anaplan is basically a business performance management software. It's an enterprise software company. Uh, basically, it allows customers uh, and user interface operations to essentially customize applications, integrate data, and, of course, uh, their platform is uh, considered a PAS, which is platform as a service. It's open architecture or open source. So it's uh, open to developer communities. And I think there's some, uh, some price action that seems to be, you know, uh, reversing back to the upside. Now, it might be just based upon momentum shifting back into some of these, uh, these, you know, secular technology names, the ones that have done extremely well since COVID started but fallen out of favor since February uh, it, but there is some news. You know, Wolf Research initiated cover on the, coverage on the stock, $70 price target. Stock is trading in the $60 range, but if you look at the consensus as well, it's about $82. So, you know, I think if you think about enterprise spending, uh, as, as as far as uh, enterprise productivity, uh, I think there's going to be a continual spend in this particular area of the uh, of the industry group in the cloud space, and that's again. Uh, what this company is. It's, it's enterprise software in the cloud. We've talked about some of the other names that are competitors, competitors like uh Coupa software, Domo uh, and Zendesk are a few other competitors. And they're all, they're all de- demonstrating sort of a, a trend reversal as of the last uh, two or three weeks. But once again, you know uh, maybe not enough time to kind of demonstrate whether this is a true trend reversal or not uh, versus again, maybe just a, a short, short lived recovery after uh, a considerable down decline since uh, since about two months ago.
0: Okay, all right, uh, George. Like it, we keep our eyes on it right now. Uh, looking very similar to Coop, uh, you know, Domo is some of these longtime cloud favorites uh, that uh, have also. Gotten beat up uh, this uh, past quarter. So, uh, and plan bouncing back, though, pretty quickly. Hey, George, give me the 60 seconds real quick on your last mover uh, today, Verisign, uh, which uh, has been a totally wild, choppy trade, trending lower, though, over the past year, has really started to make a comeback. It's trying to break to 52-week highs. Yeah.
1: It is so Verisign. For those who don't know, I mean, basically, this is one of the largest uh, authorized domain registry companies. It's been that case for for uh, you know a couple decades now since the internet started. Top domain names like .com and .net. This company has about 165 million different registries uh, under its umbrella, and it's basically one of uh, the larger companies. It has two of the major 13 servers that route internet traffic globally. So. Uh, The company itself, uh, I would say, is really, uh, you know, it's got a durable competitive advantage. If you look at the five-year chart, it hasn't done a lot in the last couple of years. Uh, It did did demonstrate some pretty robust earnings relative to sales in its last earnings call uh, not too long ago. It uh, had about 3.5% sales growth, but its EBITDA growth is about three times that. And and if you look at this company, I think it's well-positioned because it doesn't face competition. It's really locked into generating those, uh, those sales, which I think have you know, are only going to be trending higher relative to economic growth globally. Uh, I think internet traffic is not going to increase at the uh, double-digit rate like it did, let's say, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. But one of the interesting things about VeriSign is it's got you know, a competitive advantage, but it also, in the last uh, 10 years, has bought back about 55% of the total publicly traded float of its share. So it's basically a, buyback, a share buyback machine. Uh, And I think it's uh, demonstrative of how the price action has moved in the last four or five years. But in the last uh, year or so, it has been relatively flat because of the fact that its growth uh, from a top line sales uh, perspective might be peaking. But at the end of the day, it's still generating three times EBITDA than sales growth. So it's a very efficient company. Uh, But anyway, to say the least, uh, it's one of these solid names in the Internet space that's been a
0: a stalwart uh, of this group. All right, Uh, George, thank you, sir. Uh, for the Overlook Stocks doing good work and for the commentary on Tesla as well. George Tillis, our contributor from Salt Lake,